The Start On Demand. On demand. It was nice to wake up to a Jets win a series sweep of the Edmonton Oilers. Can you believe it? Lots of reaction. We've got Jets at Noon host Cam Poitras on the podcast. We spoke to Kelly Moore, who anchors our hockey coverage on 680 CJOB. And sports guru Bob Irving weighs in. And Bob also has some thoughts on a pretty remarkable thing that happened in golf over the long weekend. Meanwhile, as we celebrate the Winnipeg Jets, we can't forget... COVID is still rampaging through Manitoba. We are going to speak to a prominent doctor who says vaccinating our way out isn't going to be enough. And we had a wonderful conversation about waiting for your team to achieve a championship with Toronto Raptors superfan Nav Bhatia. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, May 25th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. I don't think we can hear this enough today. Try down along the boards here to the near side. Try to get it in. He could not. And there's a breakaway or a partial breakaway for Kyle Connor. He darts in. Let a shot go. He scores! Kyle Connor is the series hero! Winnipeg, for the third straight game, has won in overtime tonight! Once was nice. Twice was a slice, but thrice on the ice will suffice. Winnipeg wins it 4-3 to three here tonight with their third straight overtime victory. And they'll move on to the North Division Final. Greg Mackling, did you stay awake until the end? I sent my last tweet at 1-11 this morning. Really? Yes, yes sir, I would not have missed this for the world. And there was no way I wasn't going to be here with you guys this morning. What an incredible moment in hockey history. I could never have imagined that when we got off the air at 10 o'clock on Friday morning, saying out loud, now, friends, when we next gather, there is the possibility after the Jets won Wednesday night in Edmonton that the Jets will have clinched a spot in the North Division final against the winner of <laughs> Toronto and Montreal. I wouldn't have dared said it out loud, let alone thought it. Yet here we are. And uh, one of those last tweets I sent out last night was, it was not a bad little long weekend after all. You said it, man. I think that that's what many people were feeling over the past few days, right? It has. It was not the long weekend many had been planning for or anticipating maybe people juggled their plans or you continued on with your plans, but you had to abide by a different set of rules and all this is going on and there's all this COVID darkness, but what a nice light through the cloud this has been, whether you're a hockey fan or not. And I think for me, I got to, I got to have some more faith, man, because on Sunday night, for example, what was the score? We're either way we're losing Sunday night and my husband and I look at each other and I'm like, we were, yeah, so I'm like, we gotta turn this off. I think we just gotta turn it off. We're, we're clearly it's our fault because we missed the first, you know, like that's what we were thinking because we had on the game two, we hadn't watched it completely. And so we shut it off and then all these texts start coming in from my family and um, he's out on the deck and I turn the TV back on and I go out and I'm like, all right, it's four, four. He's like, no, come on. He's like, well, what do we do now? Like, do we, <laughs> right? Do we watch? Do we not watch? So we watched that OT. Of course, we won that. 
the the OT on Sunday night, and then last night I, I I made zero plans to watch the game because I just had a bad feeling, and I thought, well, we have to lose one, right? That was my mentality. And I was like, there's no way we're sweeping this. That would be ridiculous, and. All these different superstitions in my head, Brett, and I actually, the boss had been putting into, you know, our eternal chat. By the way, Joe Scarpelli is going to go out, and if there's any honking, you know, people not gathering, but, you know, yelling from a distance kind of thing, if we sweep, we're going to have that audio. And I almost wrote, do you even understand what a jinx is? Like, shut your mouth. <laughs> I was so annoyed. So then I just had this terrible feeling, Brett. And so I was like, I'm not, I got up briefly, tiptoed down the hall. We were losing 2-1, and I thought, no, I'm not staying up for the pain of that. And uh, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm instructing people based on nonsensical reasons to do things for the greater good of the Jets, Brett. Well, I was <laughs> under strict <laughs> orders from both of you not to watch any of games three or four because game one, as you might recall, I fell asleep on my couch at approximately 7.45 p.m. Game started at 8 o'clock and I woke up at 10.45. So pretty much right as the game ended. Uh, and then the second game... On the Friday, I was in a hard binge on Jack Ryan on Amazon Prime, and I just kind of forgot the game was on. And, and then you guys said, you didn't watch, hang on, you didn't watch either game one or two? All right, you can't watch it. Go to bed. <laughs> Sunday night, go to bed. When the game starts, just go to bed. Uh, so I didn't watch any or listen to any of game three or four, although last night I was staying up just sort of checking, like, updates on my phone, and I tried to, to tough it out, but I think it was twelve fifteen, and I thought, I can't, I just, I can't do this. It's going to be bad if I stay up. So, but yes, I hear you. The superstition, the sports superstition, oh Greg. Uh, is there anything crazier than that? I don't think there is, and it sort of brings us all together. I think because we each have our little thing that. Oh boy, I didn't do that on Sunday. I don't know if I can do that today. <laughs> I've got a playoff sign. Uh, you know, those lawn signs that the Jets distributed for the playoffs back in 2019 when we lost to St. Louis. And the, listen to me, we, when the Jets lost to St. Louis in 2019 in six games. Uh, so that was a, a short lived run. And uh, I have that sign. Imagine this, Loren, in my garage. I looked at it. I, I knew exactly where it was. I looked at it yesterday. And I, thought, I can't put that up today. If they win tonight, maybe I can put it up tomorrow. So the sign goes up today, as do the flags go on the vehicle today, because I forgot to do it on Wednesday, and there was no way I was doing it in the middle of the series. Yeah, just the little things that you do. And just um, in terms of the excitement, I know we got to go here, but my mother-in-law wears a, a Fitbit, and she really gets into the game. She is the kindness, kindest, gentlest person you ever want to meet, but you don't want to be around her when there's curling or hockey on or, or football. Well, maybe you do. Her Fitbit was asking her if she was okay. Have you fallen? Because her arms were flailing, and she was jumping up and down and, and everything over the course of the weekend and uh, Sunday night in particular. So uh, there you have it. Passion everywhere uh, around uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba this weekend. What a great feeling it is this morning. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. That's the sound outside Bell MTS place early this morning. I think Christian O'Mell tweeted what at like 2 a.m., Greg? That's right. And I couldn't believe we went out Sunday night after the Jets uh, made that miraculous comeback 
from 4-1 to win 5-4 in overtime. We put the whole crew into the into the SUV and went downtown. And there were, oh, I would say several dozen to a hundred vehicles circling around downtown, many of them with Jets flags honking away in celebration. And of course, last night to imagine that it was happening in the middle of the night or early this morning, something special. But one of our uh, loyal listeners, Laureen, sent a text message and she said, I think that at eight o'clock this morning, we should all honk in celebration of the Jets' victory last night. Many of us were in bed, didn't get a chance to celebrate. It would be a great way to bring the community together. And it reminded me, Brett, Loren, of Cactus Jack Wells back in the day during Blue Bomber broadcasts, actually during the post-game show, would celebrate the happy honker. And it was for the best player of the game. He would pick the happy honker award and... Fans leaving the parking lot would honk in unison. Thousands of people. It was something super special. Is it time to bring that back? Should we bring back the happy honker this morning? We'll talk <laughs> about honkage. it. 70, 0, 68, 68 honkage, yes. You come up with all great monikers for, for, for that. The happy ho- happy honkage hurrah. <laughs> Hitting them hard with the honking. <laughs> well, listen, for all the emotion, elation, and ultimate disappointment this goal in Winnipeg hockey history represents... I think it's safe to say Winnipeg Jets fans of all ages will now remember where they were when this moment took place. And there's a breakaway or a partial breakaway for Kyle Connor. He darts in, let a shot go. He scores! Kyle Connor is the series hero! Winnipeg, for the third straight game, has won in overtime tonight! And I've listened to that so many times this morning. And it's so crazy to think that the only fan in the building last night was Dancing Gabe. And that was actually the case Sunday night when the Jets mounted an incredible comeback from three goals down in the last half of the third period to set up last night's elimination game. Again, no fans in the stands. And so that will, I think, just add to the folklore, the mystique of last night's story for generations to come. And we're asking you this morning... Where were you watching the game last night? How did you celebrate? Were you one of the ones who maybe hit the street for that honkage? Let us know, 780-6868 with your text, Greg. Cameron Boitris, host of the Jets at Noon here on 680 CJOB, joins us now. Cameron, three wins in four and a half nights for the Jets, a weekend to never forget for fans of the Winnipeg Jets. We know Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, and Paul Stastny scored the OT winners in games four, three, and two, respectively. But is any of this possible without the play of Connor Hellebuck. No, absolutely not. And by the way, I got to go on record here. I love the, I'm always up for a good honkage, you know, at any point in time. (laughs) Um, Just, just let me know and I'll be there. No, Connor Hellebuck, he was just, I mean, he was exactly what he needed to be every single game. Uh, He wasn't perfect, but neither was the team that he, that that was played, being played and the game that was being played in front of him. But when he had to make a save, he did constantly, consistently throughout that entire series. So, I mean, Hellebuck, He's going to be the MVP. If, 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 if the Jets go further, he's going to be the guy that, that's going to get singled out at the end of this. He deserves it. So much was made of the Oilers and their star forwards, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, as the keys to their success. The play of their goaltender, Mike Smith, was a story in itself. But what about Darnell Nurse and the exhibition he put on last night? Yeah, 62 minutes. I mean, I, I've gained so much respect for Darnell Nurse after that series. Like, I thought he was, um, I thought he was a good defenseman. I didn't know how good he actually was. 
And, uh, you know, he's, I think he's got one more year on his contract there with the Oilers. They better, they better try and keep him around because they'll be in big trouble if they, if they can't uh, keep him on their blue line because every single team in the league is going to want a guy like Darnell Nurse on his. And 62 minutes last night, he was stellar. Um, he, it seemed like every time, it was like he was out there every single time uh, the Oilers had the puck. Uh, so just a, a, a fantastic series for him. But uh, too bad. Yeah, that's the one way to look at it. And really, at the end of the day, when you look at this serious cam, we're not going to be talking about the Oilers. We'll be talking about the Jets, and we want to talk about Josh Morrissey in our our defense because his play has been criticized, I think, for the bulk of the season, really. Is it fair to say his play over the four-game sweep was as critical as any player on the ice for the Jets not wearing number 37? Him and Dylan DeMello were so Mm -hmm. freaking good. I cannot believe it. They totally shut down. There was play after play after play where McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were coming in. They got sticks in the way. They took them out. They played the body. They completely, for for a lot, there was so many chances that those guys could have had 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 DeMello and Morrissey not shut them down. And DeMello, he's been kind of on that that sort of that third pairing throughout the this entire season, kind of dealing with Stanley, getting him, uh, getting him, uh, you know, in, in into game shape, and knowing what the speed is in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, Villa Hainala is same situation there. Uh, Demello's kind of been that that trooper. He's been kind of dropped down to that to that sixth pairing. But I think there was always the anticipation when the going got tough, he was going to be up there with Morrissey, and they've I, they've just been absolutely fantastic. When the Jets acquired uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois from Columbus, uh, Cameron, uh, you know, there was this selling point, right? That this was going to balance the lineup. It was going to give the Jets strength down the middle. It was going to give them three solid lines. And the fourth line as a group didn't see the ice in the overtime last night. Matthew Perot did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were these four games an example of how the Jets can put out any forward group and feel comfortable in doing so yeah and, and they all were able to create offense right and that that was a big part of it it was they were all had the ability to create offense and they all scored big goals i mean mason appleton had a beautiful tip a uh, last game um and i mean in, in game four just last night uh and and i think that's their best part and you know i got to talk about you know pierre Dubois. his game was game three he had a beautiful screen he picked up two assists uh in 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 that game three and and i have to say nick Ehlers' goal in overtime in game three was i i, I thought i was a lot I, it was my favorite of all the overtime goals because I was cursing the name of the National Hockey League for making the Jets play back-to-back games, yep. and it goes into triple overtime, and I'm like, do these people not have any respect for people who have to be up at 4 o'clock and have to talk about this on the radio? <laughs> they don't care about us. Nope. <laughs> well, they Cam. don't, Cam. You're right. Honk, honk away with they that anger, too. They could not care less. We have another $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza to give away, and we are going to do that based on your text messages because today we're going to talk about underdogs. The Jets were the underdogs in their series, so today we want to know what's your favorite underdog story, whether it's something from sports or something else, uh, maybe something from your own life, and if you can't think of something from real life, maybe there's a fictional one you find super inspiring or maybe it had a positive impact on your life, or maybe it's just something that makes you happy. 204-780-6868, your favorite underdog story, and Cam Poitras was with us in our previous segment. Why don't we start with you, sir? Uh, Well, I put in my garden uh, yesterday, actually, so it made me think, and, and thinking about underdogs, and I've on running on very little sleep, so obviously my mind had to go right back to the thing that I was doing last before I was watching the game. Um, but I had this, uh, I had this little green bean plant, and uh, a rabbit came by and he, he took a bite out of its stem, and, and he was, he, he was. I, I woke up one morning, he was over on its side, 
or it could be a she. I don't know what what what, what the what gender the the plant is. <laughs> but I tried to. I so I had to like put a little stick. I tied a little a little uh, string around him and I held him up, and he was able to be. He recovered. I put a fence around, make sure that the, the chicken wire so that the rabbit couldn't get over, <laughs> and that uh, green bean plant went on to produce beautifully yes. delicious uh, green beans. So. I got to give it out to my uh, my my little green 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 bean plant, a, a big underdog. <laughs> I did not see this coming. Yeah. The little plant that could. the little plant that could. I like that. Part. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff Ron. Oh man, my my story would be the opposite. I would just have like underdog plants that just die. There's no happy endings there. Uh, so I'm going to pick one that does have a happy ending. Uh, mine is uh, John McClane from Die Hard. One man barefoot against 12 terrorists who are heavily armed and he, yes. he, he goes on to win the day. How could you not be inspired by something like that? yippee ki yay Jeff Forte, welcome to the party, pal. Oh, yeah. We have now taken oh. I just want an excuse to play this song really <laughs> Space Jam. That's right. The Toon Squad versus the Monsters. <laughs> Awesome. Nobody gave Bugs Bunny a chance, even the, even if they had MJ on their on their team. I know. Well, the monsters stole the NBA's talent, and you know, turned out to be these huge monsters. And the Toon Squad came and beat them. <laughs> Are you Underdogs. excited for the sequel with LeBron James? I am. I haven't seen. I, like I haven't watched the uh, previews yet, but uh, you know what? I, I'm down to watch though. Loren McNabb. Man, you guys have taken this a lot of places this morning. I was thinking about scenes from the Cinderella Man, which is based on a true story. Of course, there's Rocky and all the rest. I even thought there's all the great lines and like silly movies like Legally Blonde or all the rest. But because my kids and uh, the family got into Cobra Kai, I had to hearken back to this scene, which is in the wheel that I read. Oh, hang on one second. I was in the middle of Googling something. Pardon me. Here we go. No mercy. No mercy. <laughs> Here it comes. Yes. Man, forget the goal heard around the world. That's the kick heard around the world in cinematic scenes. And how many times have you tried to reenact that? Even I did it with my kid this weekend. We were trying to do the Karate Kid kick and realized we both really just didn't have any of the skills required for that. So, yeah, the comeback from Karate <laughs> Kid, I enjoy that immensely. And uh, I always, I'm glad that Ralph made a comeback on the screen this year. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. And in the Winnipeg Jets indeed swept the leg of the Edmonton Oilers. Yes, Whoa. there you go. Gosh, why did I think of that? Sweet leg. <laughs> Mackling, what about you? That's Winnipeg. It's Manitoba. We are the biggest underdogs anywhere in every conversation. Uh, by no rights should we have a National Hockey League franchise. By no rights should we be, quote-unquote, in the big leagues. Uh, at every turn, we prove the critics wrong. Yes, we have our ills. Yes, we have our warts. But this city, this province, has been counted out so many times over the years. I moved away three times. I came back three times uh, because ultimately I believe in, in where I'm from and in home and in the city and in this province. And uh, it might be mushy, but uh, the ultimate un underdog and my favorite underdog is my hometown. 
204-780-6868, gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs. We're going to give it away just after 9.15. And we have a text message here from somebody who is uh, suggesting this. Nerds. 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 What is a nerd? Nerds. <laughs> the nerds from Revenge of the Nerds. That is great. And uh, I guess if I had to pick one, is it would it be would it be safe to call Terry Fox an underdog? Yes, hundred percent. Okay, that would yeah, be my pick. Just the greatest. Yeah, definitely. Whatever he is, he's the greatest and underdog. Absolutely. Well, it's whatever in life someone says. Oh, I don't know if you can do that. Well, I don't know if that's doable. And you go and show them it is. Any moment mm-hmm. where you prove that the unexpected should be expected from you is is remarkable and for sure. I think there was lots of people that said that check across the country. Wonderful sentiment. Don't know if you can make it. And uh, he worked his way across. And man, he was a hero too. Yes, underdog. Good one. And, and Manitoban. And Jeff Forte, you, I think it was just last week. You mentioned Dodgeball. Well, isn't the full name of that movie Dodgeball a true underdog story? It mm-hmm. sure is. <laughs> One of the best sports movies there is. Don't go crying sports to your daddy <laughs> when I mop it up with your face. <laughs> Do you believe in unlikelihoods? <laughs> okay, so text us for your the chance SPN, to win. The Ocho. <laughs> the Ocho, that's right. 204-780-6868. For your chance to win that Santa Lucia pizza, we'll give it away just after 915. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, while many of us are feeling elation this morning. It is, of course, a mixed emotion, as with many things these days, because another group of doctors is calling for tougher restrictions as Manitoba's ICUs struggle to keep up with the COVID caseload. And this is what we wanted to avoid from the get-go. Last March, when we started talking about bending the curve and crushing the curve, this is what we were discussing, what we wanted to not have happen. And this group, Brett, includes ICU doctors, infectious disease specialists, and professors. And in their news release, they say hospitals are, quote, overwhelmed to the point that other patients are now at risk of inadequate care, end quote with the doctors noting that many of the COVID patients they are now seeing say they were following the rules, but they got sick at work or in malls or at schools where they were either allowed to go to or had to go to, Loren, for work. Yeah, so that group is going to hold a news conference at 10 a.m., and we'll bring you the latest from them when we have it. But in the meantime, we know that there are many within the hospital system that are openly and potentially increasingly sharing their concerns Over the past weekend, our next guest took to Twitter to write, quote, restrictions for weeks now. The plan is to vaccinate our way out of this pandemic, but at what cost to healthcare workers? The voice behind that tweet is Dr. Gigi Osler. She's a Winnipeg surgeon and past president of the Canadian Medical Association. And our guest today, good morning, Dr. Osler. Good morning. As you look at the numbers, what are you hearing from fellow hospital staff? What made you tweet that out? You know, you're absolutely right. Despite you know, despite the sunshine this morning, despite the Jets win last night, we are in the darkest days of the pandemic since 
the start. And the next few weeks really are critical because we know hospitalizations and ICU admissions won't come down for weeks, even after cases come down. And our cases haven't really started to come down yet. And the only reason, in my opinion, that our ICUs haven't collapsed, it's because of the hard work of the nurses, the doctors, the respiratory therapists, and all the ICU staff who are working hard all day and every day. And they are stretched thin and they are exhausted. Dr. Osler, we are weeks removed from the initial request, the initial plea, if you like, from doctors, from nurses to instate and enact more stringent restrictions for Manitoba in order to really to try and prevent what we are in the thick of right now. How much longer can we go here in terms of doctors, nurses, ICU? We're already seeing 14 Manitobans getting care outside of our province. How many more could possibly be sent to other jurisdictions? Well, you know, it was interesting last week when we did start transferring people out of province. So in total, in Ontario and Manitoba, we have a record number of 88 Manitobans with COVID in ICUs. And keep in mind, before this pandemic started, Manitoba had a total of 72 ICU beds. So we are over capacity because right now there's, I think, 318 people in hospital with COVID, uh, hospital and ICU. So really, hospital workers will keep going. They are resilient. They are tough. But this is where we need to have that two-pronged attack on this pandemic. We do need to get case numbers down. So we need people to keep following public health advice, stay out of hospital, And we know vaccinations work. You look at other provinces, you look at other countries where they vaccinated more of their population and the cases need to come down. So now that finally we have 12 plus eligible to get vaccinated, that's where we really need to see vaccinations pick up the pace and more people getting shots in arms. Should there be more restrictions? That's hard to say. You know, it, it would be nice to have more of that data on where the transmission is is occurring. Is it in the schools? Is it in workplaces? Is it it in malls? That is something that not many of us, and that's above my pay grade, have seen to really know where we should be targeting the restrictions. But I have not seen that data yet, and I, I think very few of us out in the public have. Yeah, and that's been one of the questions all along, you know, where is it happening? Or are we at that stage where there's so much community transmission that it's too hard to pin pin down, Dr. Osler? And so we talk about this multi-pronged approach of having restrictions and increased vaccinations. And over the weekend, we heard Premier Brian Pallister say he wanted to bring in more vaccines from the U.S. and essentially saying now that the policies in Washington were holding them back. Did you have any thoughts on this? I mean, is it really a supply issue or do we need to just get more people to the super sites, to the pop-up popping clinics? We need to encourage more. What was your thoughts on what he had to say? Well, we do need more shots in arms, period. And when you look at how the province has been planning and how many doses have been delivered to the province, the doses have been allocated by the federal government to the provinces based on a per capita basis. Yet we still, as a province, lag behind other provinces. I think yesterday I saw we were about 10th 
in terms of vaccination per capita. So is it a supply issue or is it a delivery issue? You know, we need to just really ramp up vaccines now that we have lots of Pfizer doses in the country. Just get them going into arms and don't let them sit in freezers. Dr. Osler, this is a really difficult time. Um, I know we have uh, nurses, doctors, teachers, those that are really uh, trying to fight through listening to our program. What do you have to say to them this morning? You know, I, I know I started off by saying we are in some dark days and we've got some hard few weeks ahead, but I truly believe the light is at the end of the tunnel. And I and we can see it. You see provinces like Ontario start to open up. So my plea to Manitobans is please keep following public health advice. Just stay at a hospital if you can and get your shot when you're eligible. Dr. Gigi Osler is a Winnipeg surgeon and past president of the Canadian Medical Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Dr. Osler, thank you for your time. Much appreciated. Thanks. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, the Winnipeg Jets were decided underdogs going into their North Division semifinal with the Edmonton Oilers. Well, we know how that turned out. The Jets are on their way to the next round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, a.k.a. the North American Ice Hockey League Championships! Kelly Moore had a long weekend of a different sort as the Jets not only played three games over four days, all three games went to overtime. What time did you get off the air this morning, Kelly? Uh, two twenty-one precisely. Oh my word! Oh my word! <laughs> Good morning to you, my friend. <laughs> I thought you were going to say one thirty, which yeah. would have been two twenty-one. My goodness! Yeah. I, I, yeah, I uh, pray to you. I, I, uh, not worthy. Thanks for uh, getting up to join us, Kel. Uh, the Jets collectively overcame the odds. Some terrific individual performances, and and a lot of those from players that we expect to see that from, but. In your estimation, who sort of put their foot forward over the last four games and said, hey, don't forget about me. I might have had a rough regular season or maybe you weren't counting on me, but you can count on me henceforth. Tucker Pullman, without a doubt, uh, you know, scored what I think was one of the more significant goals in the series uh, when he tied it up two minutes and 37 seconds after Yesapolya Yarvi had given Edmonton the lead in game one. You guys might remember that the Oilers looked like they were starting to take over that particular game. They'd kept the Jets hemmed in. Paul Yarvey scored the goal, and you thought, oh boy, here's where Edmonton starts to stack it up. Uh, but I thought Pullman's goal really gave the Jets a, a, a shot in the arm and also put the orders back on their heels a little bit. Then he helped set up the winning goal in overtime uh, in, the, in game two. Uh, and just played so well on that third D pairing with Logan Stanley. Finished a plus four for the series at a, at a tying goal and a winning assist. Tucker Pullman gets my vote all the way. Kelly, I, I don't think I'm a spiteful person, but I have to say, in looking at the highlights again this morning and that game-tying goal last night, and they cut to that look of Connor McDavid on the bench, and it was sort of just like he just said to himself, like, we just do not have this. We're not in this. We can't beat this team. And it felt good. And I think that exercises a lot of demons many longtime fans have in this market. What, did, what does this do for the psyche of the Winnipeg Jets fan? Not to, just to mention the players, but the fans. Well, I think it gives them belief. I know that there were a lot of naysayers. I know there were a lot of doubters. And, and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. This team, at one point, lost 9 of 10 games 
two games removed from the start of the playoffs. So there was a lot of uh, having to prove themselves, uh, to, at least to their fan base, uh, by the Winnipeg Jets. But all along, you might remember uh, that after loss, after loss, after loss, Paul Maurice very calmly would tell us all, don't worry, guys, we know what we're doing. We're getting this team ready to be able to have a chance to win against the Edmontons and the Torontos in the playoffs. And then I think uh, a lot of the uh, angst was maybe eased a little bit uh, with how the Jets were able to play low event hockey, especially in the opener. I know Connor Hellebuck faced a lot of shots and the Jets didn't have many on Mike Smith, uh, but the way they played and with their opportunistic offense. And the fact is you know these guys have a have have a pretty skilled set of people as well. They might not be quite as dynamic as McDavid and Drysaitel, uh, but uh, you know Mark Shifley and Connor uh, Kyle Connor last night, and then Nikolai Ehlers the night before showed they know how to do a thing or two when it comes to putting the puck in the net. What will the Jets do with the time between now and the beginning of the next series? Well, they'll rest up, Brett, uh, for sure today, probably tomorrow, I would think. And then, uh, you know, like they still have to, I think, come in for the testing and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, then uh, I think they'll start to practice. It'll all depend. I mean, in a perfect world, they'd probably have four days uh, in between series, two days to rest and recover, two days to uh, just work on a few things, uh, you know, make sure you get the legs going on the ice and that sort of thing. Nothing too uh, exuberant, but just enough to stay in the flow. That would be uh, uh, certainly enough to allow them the momentum. And, of course, the key key there is Connor Hellebuck. Uh, he's in a groove. He is in a rhythm, so you don't want him off the ice too long. But having said that, I don't think any of them be, will be shedding a tear if the Montreal Canadiens come back in that series against Toronto and force that to a sixth or, or seventh game. Kelly Moore, the hardest working man in radio, proving that again over the weekend. Kelly, thanks for this. And I wanted to echo your sentiments really quick about Poolman. He made such a great play jumping a pass into the jet zone that he sent Mark Shifley away on, on the play that I think you mentioned set up Ehlers goal indirectly because uh, Shifley went in, got a fairly decent chance. Mike Smith covers the puck and then Ehlers scores right off the face off. But if not for Poolman jumping that play and sending the puck up to Shifley, you know, we could still be playing game three. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, the, the, I think of all the players, because he'd been hurt just before the start of the playoffs as well, and Jordy Ben had played so well with Logan Stanley, there was the thought that perhaps Ben uh, might get into the starting lineup, but uh, uh, the coaching staff obviously made a good call on Tucker Pullman, and yes, guys, it was a 2-4 weekend for me. I think it was about 24 hours on the air between Sunday and Monday with all the wow. overtime. <laughs> oh, it was a di di different kind of 2-4 weekend for me, uh, Kelly Moore, but Hey, we appreciate <laughs> all the hard work. Hey, well, I, I'm going to two for it for the next couple of days. <laughs> Kelly Moore, thank you so much for joining us after being on the air until 2.21 a.m. after the game last night. Sounds of the game coming up in just a moment. But before that, uh, Loren, after 8 o'clock, we're talking vaccine incentives. Yeah, well, there's a couple things we want to hit this morning. We're awaiting the 1230 presser newser with Dr. Brent Rusin. It's typical. There's nothing standing out from that. But a lot of people are asking, will these restrictions actually expire at midnight as planned? Or will we see an extension? Because doctors are saying, there's a new call saying, yeah, we might need to go into stricter lockdowns to help out our hospital system. And that's the restriction side of the fence. On the other side is the vaccine equation. A survey went out over the weekend to Manitobans saying that current estimates show only 60% of Manitobans will get immediately vaccinated. So they're talking in incentives 
Would you be concerned or have any questions if meal or grocery vouchers were given to people to encourage them to take the vaccine? What about cash? What about admission to museums or sporting events? What would it take to get you to get that needle in your arm? Let us know what you think about this survey, and we'll chat that after 8, Brett. In the meantime, Jeff Forte. Greg Mackling of the Wren mentioned it, and I believe it was Ace Ventura who once said, I have exercised the demons. This house is clear. Indeed it was, and indeed they are. Brett McGarry, the Winnipeg Jets, beat the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs with a four-game sweep, 4-3 in triple overtime last night. Brett, wherever you are, we now present an historic edition of Sounds of the Game. Teams will come to center ice, puck is dropped, and it's showtime from downtown Winnipeg. Here comes Kyle Connor across the line, cutting the war in the corner, back toward the line for Morrissey. Far side now for Wheeler, he'll move in, cross pass, a shot, they score! Mark Shifley with a one-timer through the seam, it's a power play goal, and Winnipeg is on the board first. They lead it one nothing. Lowry waiting for it to spill out in the dead. Back toward the line for Morrissey. Little wrist shot going to put it in front. They score! Mason Appleton with his first postseason goal. His first postseason point. And Winnipeg leads it again. It's 2-1 to one for the Jets. Trying to hunt down a puck inside. And it's turned over by Bear for Wheeler. Wheeler out in front. Wheeler now for Connor. Back for Shifley. Slap shot. He scores! Try down along the boards here to the near side. Try to get it in. He could not. And there's a breakaway or a partial breakaway for Kyle Connor. He darts in. Let a shot go. He scores! Kyle Connor is the series hero. Winnipeg for the third straight game has won in overtime tonight. Once was nice. Twice was a slice. But thrice on the ice will suffice. Winnipeg wins it four to three here tonight with their third straight overtime victory. And they'll move on to the North Division final. Thank you very much, Paul Edmonds. Thank you very much, producer Kyle, for putting that together. And thank you for joining us on the start this morning. usually joined at this time Monday morning by the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, with a start taking a pause on Victoria Day yesterday. Bob was kind enough to agree to join us today. Good morning, Bob. How much sleep did you get, sir? (laughs) Well, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I went to sleep just after midnight, but I recorded the rest of the game and got up early this morning and watched it. So I just couldn't uh, last past midnight. I was kind of falling asleep, but what a finish. I kind of, uh, I rolled around, you know, all night thinking maybe I should get up now and watch Mm -hmm. it, see who won the game, because I was wondering. uh, And I wasn't shocked when I got up this morning and learned that the Jets had won it because they seemed destined to win this series. 
Yeah, I was the same as you, Bob. Uh, didn't make it through the whole thing and then woke up. My mom is a huge Jets fan, so the texts were coming fast and furious, and she apparently called Connor getting that goal. She wants us all to know that. So uh, it was an amazing finish, an amazing series, and I think that there's a lot of people talking about the incredible moments that we've seen in hockey history in the city, and some which we know about, some which we know less about. But we want to know, since Bobby Hall signed his million-dollar contract with the WHA Jets, 1972 how does this series compare to anything else we've seen as Jets fans well I go back to the Avco Cup years and I watched them win three Avco Cups but you know this series against Edmonton and we all talked beforehand about how they you know had these demons in their minds at least Jets hockey fans did about never beating Edmonton in the playoffs uh, so I, I think this is a it's a landmark moment in the history of the Winnipeg Jets. Not that they beat Edmonton, or partly because they beat Edmonton, but because they did it in a four-game sweep, which uh, I'm not surprised they won the series. I think you guys will recall I, I thought they could win the series, but for a four-game sweep, you, you nobody expected that. And then the triple overtime game. You know, overtime is so special in hockey. It just is so dramatic. There's nothing quite like it. And to go three overtimes, for heaven's sakes, and then complete the four-game sweep in that fashion, uh, it's a series nobody will ever forget. I know the the Nashville series a couple of years ago when they went to the conference final was uh, pretty exciting. And, and probably, I guess, when you think about it, they were further along the playoff trail there. So that was more special than this. But this was Edmonton, a team that, uh, you know, sort of hung over their heads in a negative way a four-game sweep, three overtime games. Yeah, this is one that uh, Jets fans won't soon forget. You sort of touched on it here, Bob. You know, this is one series, four wins on the road to you-know-who's, you-know-what. I don't want to say it out loud. That achievement would be a crown jewel for this community. But look back at the three Avco Cup championships the Jets claimed in their WHA days. I remember the parades, the celebrations, and the notoriety the Jets received around the world as plain and simply one of the best hockey teams on the planet. What impact on the city, on the province, did that have back then? Well, I think the fans back then, this is the 70s we're talking about now, and as I recall it, the the fans had a real closeness to that team. And it was because of Bobby Hull and Hedberg and Nielsen and, and the kind of exciting hockey they brought to North America, the Swedes in particular and the Europeans that the Jets brought over, which had not been seen in North America before. And so the fans here at that time felt that this was a pretty special moment for Winnipeg and for hockey in Canada and around the world, really. As you say, the the Jets were recognized in Europe and other places as having a very special hockey team back in those World Hockey Association days. So, yeah, that was a, a time that I'll never forget, and I know the fans... You know, felt like that was kind of their team, and they felt a closeness to that team. It's different nowadays, but still, you know, the fans of any team, what makes them happy is when their team has success. It makes them feel good. It makes them get up in the morning and feel good about themselves and about living here and about our city and the fact we're going to get recognized. Uh, And so there's all of that, and I think it even probably runs a little deeper now that it's the National Hockey League versus the WHA. Bob, I want to switch gears for a moment uh, from the Jets and head to the golf course uh, because over the weekend we're talking about underdogs today. Phil Mickelson, it's, it, some odds makers had him as long as 300 to 1 to win the PGA Championship. And uh, to see him win over the weekend, what was your reaction to that? 
Well, I didn't think it could happen. Uh, I know Phil was leading going into the fourth round, and and I know what a special player he is. He's one of the all-time greats. There's no question about that. But age erodes your skill, and it erodes your nerves. And it does at a less rapid pace in golf than it does in aerobic sports like hockey and football and baseball. So at 50, you can play golf at a very high level as opposed to you couldn't do the other sports at a, at a high level at 50. There's no way in the world. But I still didn't think uh, a, a golfer at 50 years of age could win a major championship. So uh, it was a, a surprise, and yet in some ways it wasn't because, as they say, Mickelson is one of the all-time greats, and as much as he hadn't played well in the last year and a half, I guess, uh, he'd been working on losing weight and focusing more and all the rest of it. And, uh, uh, you know, he talked about one of the interviews after he won. I couldn't believe he said that he's lost weight. He's really gotten in better shape. And he fasts 36 hours a week. He takes a 36-hour period each week and doesn't eat anything. So the guy has really gone overboard to give himself a chance to be great and to win at the age of 50. And it paid off on the weekend. And, man, he came through under... You know, tremendous pressure and uh, you know, people telling him, oh, you can't do this. And that yeah, was, talk about uh, something for the ages. <laughs> this was really something for the ages. The oldest player ever to win a major. And, uh, yeah, it was quite remarkable and, and a very special moment in the history of sport. Also, I got to ask you, and I don't, have you seen the video of Brooks Kepka, the outtake from the interview where, Brooks, where Bryson DeChambeau walked yeah. by? Yes, I have. Okay, yep. so just to, to set it up, uh, Brooks Kepka, who uh, was the runner-up, he was uh, being interviewed, and Bryson DeChambeau walked by, and Kepka rolls his eyes and started cursing and said, I, I can't, I lost my train of thought, I, I can't deal with that. Um, pretty obvious disdain for, for Bryson, and obviously I guess the PGA probably has egg on his face now that that video is out, but what was, what's your take on that? Well, DeChambeau's a polarizing figure in golf because of the way he does things and putting on all the weight and hitting the ball farther than anybody ever hit it. And he seems oblivious to the world around him sometimes. And I think that's what happened when Kepka was doing this interview. And so DeChambeau walks behind him and he's stomping along and you can hear him walking behind him while he's doing the interview. Typically, a golfer wouldn't do that or any athlete wouldn't do that. They'd sort of avoid disrupting the scenario and so it's clear that Kepka doesn't like DeChambeau and he's not alone lots of golfers out there don't like DeChambeau in particular others do uh, but uh, no and Kepka's pretty I would say he's pretty narrow-minded in how he sees things and views the world and uh, yeah it, it, it came through loud and clear that Brooks Kepka is not Bryson DeChambeau's number one fan. Lots of people making remarks of different faces and, and emotions captured on camera, both in the golf. But I was also talking about how Connor McDavid, after that tying goal last night, just sort of had this look of, Ugh, you know, yeah. we, we are not going to we are not going to do this. You could I, to me, that was that moment where you thought it was clear that he knew that they were done. And so when we talk about this this morning, we've been talking about underdogs. Bob, what's your favorite underdog story? Oh boy, that's a good one. Um, I'd have to I'd have to think long and hard about that. I, in most recent history, it would be the Jets against Edmonton in the last two <laughs> weeks. I, you know, and I, look, I never understood the feeling that the Jets had no chance to win this series. I know they played poorly at the end of the year, and I know they didn't match up well against Edmonton in the regular season. But people forgot how good they were in their first forty-four games. They forgot that they had a better goaltender. Connor Hellebuck was probably the difference of the series. Mike Smith was good. 
Hellebuck was better. The, the Jets have a mm-hmm. deeper team. I mean, after McDavid and Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse on the blue line, you, you know, the Oilers aren't the 29 Yankees. They don't have a great group after those three guys. And when those three aren't winning games for them, they're going to have a tough time, as was shown in the series. The Jets have far better depth, far better depth. And their blue line, DeMello, Pullman, Pionk, Morrissey, Forbert, Stanley, Paul Maurice was not afraid to send any of those guys out at any time, and Edmonton didn't have that luxury. So uh, I would, uh, I'd have to think long and hard about underdog stories because there's a million of them, but I kind of like the one that happened in the last two weeks here in Winnipeg. Who could blame you on that? Not too many teams can roll out their third line to go up against Dreisaitl and McDavid, Bob. And, no, that's right. In an effort to free up their top line to do the things that the top line does, and then, oh, on top of that, you're going to throw out uh, Nikolai Ehlers, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Paul Stastny. Like, uh, that trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, that was supposed to bring the Jets this balance, this ability to roll four lines. And outside of the uh, overtime, uh, the, the extended overtime games, Bob, Paul Maurice did exactly that. And that, that as much as Hellebuck, I think, was the, the difference in the series. Well, sure it was. The, the depth of the Jets came through loud and clear. I think Hellebuck, though, Greg, was, uh, you know, he was the margin of victory. He got three overtime games, and as Paul Murray said, they could have gone either way. When you go into overtime, it's a flip of the coin. And if you win three overtime games in a row, that's pretty remarkable. But uh, Hellebuck makes a difference, and Shifley was brilliant last night. He was absolutely brilliant. You could make an argument that he was better last night than Connor McDavid was, and you would not be able to say that very often. And I think that's a great tribute to Shifley in the game he played last night. Bob Irving joins us every Monday at 8.37, but since we weren't here yesterday, he joined us today on Tuesday. Bob, thank you for this. I'm available 24-7. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm going to call you later then, see what you're doing. See what you're having for lunch. I'm golfing later. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, are you playing by yourself? Uh, yeah, more or less. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB. Hey, one more thought on the golf. I don't know if you guys saw this uh, over the weekend. I guess on su- it would have been Sunday. But Tina Mickelson, Phil Mickelson's sister, tweeted out a, a screen grab of a conversation she had with her mom saying, while you guys were busy on the golf course, I was busy fielding mom's nervous texts. And her mom texted her saying, Tina, text Philip and tell him just to par in. Don't hit bombs or activate calves. So those are some things that Phil says. Hitting bombs, got to activate the calves. Just par. They will have to catch him. He won't listen to his mother, so you text him. Hurry. I just thought that was cute, especially uh, that she calls him Philip. So. I also like just, can you imagine being on the golf course and your phone, Mom. <laughs> like, I'm, li- on, I, I am Jeez. playing. Could we talk? Later, Mom. <laughs> How special, too, that uh, Phil had his brother Tim on on the bag uh, caddying for him this weekend, too. Uh, a truly uh, larger family affair than we realized with the text messaging and the proposed phone calls, etc. Very, very special story. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Who would you rather see the Winnipeg Jets face in the North Division final? 
because, of course, the Jets swept the Edmonton Oilers last night, 4-3 in triple overtime. The game ended after 1 a.m. And uh, at CJOB.com, we've got 56% say Habs and 44% say Leafs. Cast your vote, CJOB.com, or on Twitter at 680CJOB. You can also weigh in on text at 204-780-6868. And, Greg, I understand uh, there's a text message here that you want to read uh, regarding, I assume... Dale Howarchuk, but uh, as per our I am can uh, typos, you you've re- referred to a fake Howarchuk. <laughs> yeah, text not a fake, but a real Howarchuk, Eric Howarchuk, and uh, I'll actually go back to Saturday afternoon before I read this from the the son of the late great Winnipeg Jet Dale Howarchuk. I was talking to my buddy Jason Merrick, who lives in Florida. And we've had him on the show before, and uh, he's been all over uh, 680 CJOB in the past about the pandemic, about hurricanes in Florida. He's become a very good friend of CJOB. He and I have been been very good friends for 31 years now, and we were reminiscing about the 1990 Jets-Oilers playoff series. And, you know, he said, you know, Greg, I'm not a super spiritual guy, but... I have a sense Dale Howarchuk is watching over Winnipeg right now. It's the 10th anniversary. The Jets have gone above and beyond in terms of honoring Dale Howarchuk, changing the 10th anniversary logo. And we know how Mark Chipman and so many in the Winnipeg Jets organization felt and feel about Dale Howarchuk and his place in Winnipeg hockey history. And so many Jets fans who, you know, for all the great players that have been through this city over the years feel that Howard Chuck is the greatest of all the jets. And Eric just said this and Eric's been on the program with us many times over the last year, lots of emotions this morning, simply hashtag NHL jets, hashtag we are Winnipeg. Eric, of course, born here in Winnipeg. So uh, yeah, uh, lots of us thinking about Dale Howard Chuck, over the last several days, uh, the Jets finally climbing a mountain that the Howard Chuck-led Jets couldn't climb. And uh, just very fitting that it happens in this 10th season, Loren. And I don't think there's anyone who's been on those past teams that wouldn't have want, wanted to have been down this road, right? You would have wished that you had been that team to to do what the Jets did to sweep the Oilers. And we even had Morris Lukowicz on this program just just over a week ago, was it, guys? I think it was game day that when Puck dropped on Wednesday and he talked about how he wished he could get out there and play with those guys. You always want to still be lacing up those skates. So whether you're watching from above or here on earth, you can bet that would have been the overriding sentiment. So I think that's just a nice way to connect all the dots. And uh, now we get to now we get to dream of um, the next round in the future. I don't know. I think there were people that now you're like, hang on. Hang on, I get to keep watching hockey. We, we could get into June with hockey. I like the sounds of that. And so I'll take it. Plus, um, we were talking superstitions at 6 o'clock, uh, Brett, and how I was worried about whether I should should or shouldn't watch the game. And mm-hmm. we told you not to even turn on the TV. You were banned from watching the game because we won that game one with you not watching. Well, here's another connection to superstitions. I was going to stain the deck, but <laughs> I haven't stained the deck and the Jets have won the first round. So I just feel it would be in the best interest for society. Really? And for this family. Wow. And Talk for the future of Jets Nation, if I just, you know, don't pick up that brush just yet. How long have you Is been your last name off? Armstrong or McNabb? 
Well, I've been putting this off for quite some time. I've been putting this off. I've been putting it off. And now I was going to do it on the weekend. Then we had the rain, but then we also had the wind. So I just, I'm connecting some dots here, Brett. And I don't think it's crazy to suggest that the deck can't get stained now. Just can't. Well, hey, I'm I'm all for procrastinating (laughs) and kicking the can down the road. So I salute you for finding where, as they say, where there is a will, there is a way. And Loren McNabb has the will to kick that can down the road. I'm kicking the stain can down the road. You know, someone tried to sell me the other day on another kind of stain that's even better than the other kind of stain. And it was going to prevent me from staining and future stains. And I was just like, you know, I don't think that's a thing anymore. I'm moving on. Well, plus... Well, Leave now you, now you can research, right? Like, well, you, you can now. There's another reason you can say, "Well, pfft, I can't stain it now because someone just brought this other stain to my attention." Right. So I gotta I gotta look into some studies and do some yep. research and maybe uh, you know do some conduct some interviews and seek some uh, testimonials. You know, Thank I gotta you. make an informed decision here. Yeah, and or if there's a neighborhood kid who wants to come stain the stick, I'll pay you. And or <laughs> it's an and or situation, but I'm not doing it in the name of the Jets. I think you need to have like a Zoom meeting and a great big seminar on the staining and the superstitions and just make it a great multi-day event. Thank and you. then by the time by the time the playoffs are over, we won't have to worry about this anymore. Maybe it'll so be just, September. Just draw out the decision. Yeah. Well, next year. September Better luck next be year. Fine. So is the stain is the the deck staining is that the the Ren McNabb equivalent of Greg clearing out his garage, which he did finally clean it out. Yeah, I just it's not that I don't know it looks good when it's done. And it's actually not even that it's that hard. It's just starting it. You know, once I start, it's done. It's done in a day. But I don't want to start it, guys. What, uh, Greg, what is up with that? Like, why are we so reluctant to to just get started whenever we like if, if there's a, a chore we want to do? We just find excuses to avoid it. And yet, like, I'm the same, just obviously I don't have a backyard that I need to tear up or I don't have a deck that needs to be stained. Even just cleaning my apartment, I look around and go, God, I hate dusting. But once I get started, it takes like 30 minutes for me to clean my whole apartment. And then I wonder, why did I put this off for the last two, three weeks? GMAC, you got any thoughts? Yes, I do. It's a conversation we have in this house almost on a daily basis when it comes to tidying up the kitchen or tidying up our bedroom and and uh, yelling uh, is part of this and the back and forth and the I don't want to, why do I have to, you, you don't do this, why should I do that? And, and you know, and eventually it comes down to, guys, I put a timer on that. It took us exactly 18 minutes and it's a I know we should just get it done. It's easy <laughs> just to get it done. Uh, Saturday morning, I had a concrete guy pour a concrete pad in my backyard on Friday. I had to take apart the fence uh, at the side of my house so that he could uh, do his thing. Well, you know what? Saturday morning, I dragged one of the boys out of bed. I said, we've got to put that fence back together. Otherwise, you're going to have to keep walking the dog. So at least there was some sort of incentive you know, here's the trade-off. Either you walk the dog six times today or we got to put that fence back together. It took 37 minutes. Something that I'm sure Alexander thought was going to take half a day. (laughs) It's just, you just, sometimes you just got to start. Hey, listen, it's right in the title of the show. The start. You just got to get going. That's just what you do. And you start. And for so many of us, it's just taking that first step. Come on. I could do a seminar on procrastination too, if you like. 
Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, our winning text on underdog stories for the Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift card coming up in a moment. But before that, Loren, uh, we just got word uh, recently from the province on uh, technical briefing uh, that is happening today. What's up? Yeah, that's happening at 1030. This is a embargoed briefing, so we won't be able to bring you the comments from that briefing until 1230. But the people who are speaking at it, Dr. Perry Gray, our provincial lead, medical specialist services, and of course, uh, Lynette Siragusa, who's our chief nursing officer with Shared Health, will both be speaking at 1030. Again, then we'll we'll hear more what was in that at 1230. The topic that's on the agenda, health system realities. And we know many people have been speaking about the realities they're seeing within the ICUs and the ERs. And so we will bring you more when we get it, Greg. Now, in the meantime, we got to give away that gift card for underdog stories. And uh, Gene texted us a little while ago saying, uh, or just a few moments ago saying, what, my man package story didn't win? Because Gene <laughs> texted earlier saying, Blake Wheeler coming back last night after taking a shot to the man packages, <laughs> as they put it, uh, or the cha-chas, as uh, Jeff Forte might say. That was a good one, Gene. But uh, Bill Turner knocked our socks off, Greg. Yeah, in the late 1970s when I was in high school, I was a real nerd. Black rimmed glasses and no fashion sense. In English class, the school jock sat two seats behind me. Whenever he walked by my desk, he would accidentally bump me in the head with his elbow. Finally, one day I had had enough. I turned my chair around and put my arm up on the desk between us and said, let's go. He said, what? I said, let's have an arm wrestle. He laughed and said, okay. The class gathered around and we locked wrists. I said, go. And he started pulling, but my arm did not move. His friends started jeering at him and his face was getting red, but my arm stayed still. I asked him if he was done and folded his arm over like he was my little sister. Yeah! The crowd laughed and I said, don't hit me anymore. The teacher told me after class that was the best yes. way to fix the problem. He said, you hurt him way more than he ever hurt you. Straight shot to the ego. And I'm wondering if this is the impetus for over the top, Bill, because that was <laughs> a movie about arm wrestling. And I'm serious. This is the stuff that underdog movies, films are made of. This is the stuff of legends, Bill. Well done. Well done to you for your attitude, for your arm strength, for getting that guy right where it on hurts. The movie deal. Straight shot right to the ego, over the top, starring <laughs> Sylvester Stallone playing Bill. Listener Bill. Um, I love it, Bill. That movie, I loved it so much when I was a kid, but Me I just too. I can't be I can't bring myself to watch it again because it has to be ridiculous. It just has to be ridiculous. <laughs> Mackling McGarry and McNabb just want to say happy birthday to our friend and colleague Tom Milroy. Ooh, you can hear Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock here on 680 CJOB. It is his birthday, and I posted a picture on his Facebook page with a cake with I don't even know how many dozens of candles. It looked like it looked like it, you'd need a flamethrower to start it. And I just asked him, is this enough candles, Tom? So happy birthday, Tom. He's got a good and sense of humor. he's our Saturday morning host, and on Saturday, Greg had a birthday. Yes. Happy belated, Greg. 
Thank you very much. Thank you uh, for the kind wishes, Loren, and from so many of you. My gosh, it's so overwhelming on the social media. And, and uh, Brett, I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion. I, I had an anonymous gift left on my front door, and, and it's reeking of Brett McGarry. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll quiz you about that off the air, okay? Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, in the meantime, this morning we have been, of course, celebrating the first round of the Winnipeg Jets in the North American Ice Hockey League Championships. Yeah, I think there's many people who might be tired this morning, but they're feeling pretty good this despite what's going on around our province because we've been talking about how particularly difficult this time is for so many reasons. The number one being COVID and the rising ICU numbers and hospitalizations. And so the Jets have, if only for a few hours provided a distraction. And the idea of this team taking another step towards a championship is also something fans might be dreaming about today. They fell three wins short of a Stanley Cup Finals appearance in 2018. And Greg, we know how hard it is to get that close and how hard it's been since every time we look back upon just how close we came. No question. In the following season, the Jets were favored along with the Tampa Bay Lightning to meet in the Stanley Cup final. The St. Louis Blues had something to say about that. And we also know the unbridled passion and joy a championship can bring as we lived it with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Grey Cup victory in 2019. The fans are such a huge part of the game and plain and simply, even though they're playing without fans in the stands, uh, without fans watching on television in Canada, uh, the, the games don't exist. Our next guest was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame on May 15th. He is the only fan in NBA history to receive an official championship ring. We say good morning to Toronto Raptors superfan Nav Bahatia. Good morning, Nav. Good morning. Good morning. Before we start talking about me, I want to congratulate you guys for uh, the win last night and winning a uh, winning the first round and beating the best Canadian player, Connor McDavid. So I'm I'm even surprised that you guys are awake in the show this morning. You had three overtimes. So congratulations to everybody in Winnipeg. Uh, your enthusiasm is infectious, Nav. Thank you for this. We appreciate <laughs> the congratulations. And you know you know what it's like to to see your team run to a championship and. Maybe we'll go back to the beginning, November 3rd, 1995, the Raptors' very first game as an NBA franchise. What drew you to become such a huge fan of a team that had never played a single game? They weren't moving from somewhere to Toronto. They were a brand new team. What was the attraction for you? Well, the attraction was that I came here in 1984 to this beautiful country of Canada. And for the first 10 years, I was only doing work, work, and work. I was working over 100 hours a week. And once I was settled down, I used to see Michael Jordan and, and Larry Bird and the other basketball games on the TV. And when the Raptors arrived in Toronto, I bought two tickets. I could only afford two at the time. I have 13 now and few courtsides. But at that time, I could only afford two. And uh, I, I went to the game and I said, I'm going to give it a try for the first season, you know. So I bought a one-season tickets, two of them. And I tell you, the very first game, I fell in love with this game, which is the most exciting game on this planet. It's the most entertaining game on this planet. And the way NBA has designed it, for three hours, you're in a different zone. So since then, for the next 25 years, 
I have never missed a minute of a game. I've never left a game early. I've never been late to a game. I'm an addict of game of basketball, the most entertaining game on this planet. Now, there are some who are criticizing this move by the NBA to include fans in the Hall of Fame. What's your reaction to that? I, you know what? That's them to do. It's okay. It's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whatever they, you know, we are allowed to uh, give our opinions. And I think their opinions should be. But like you just said in your opening statement, there is nothing without the fans. And, uh, you know, we have seen that. Look at the Raptors this season playing in Tampa Bay without the home fans. I tell you, you know, they, they had a dis- disappointing season because they feed off the fans. And we in Toronto are the best fan in the league. So fans are, you know, and it's a fan gallery. I think, uh, I feel uh, that it is a good move. It's an inclusive move. And I think it inspires the fans, not for just this sport. Yes, I am the first one to be included in the Hall of Fame and the first of any of the support, any sports to do that. And uh, again, when I got the ring, you know, when I got the player's ring, there were some people and uh, who said that the uh, fans shouldn't get the same ring as the players. But Messiah made it clear. Larry Tonnebaum, our owner, made it clear that our fans are as much part of the team as much as the players. Well, and fans have opinions right now. That's the whole point. Uh, that's what makes fans great. It can also make them what frustrating, but it's what helps galvanize teams. And so tell us about the super fan foundation of yours and how it works. Well, let me tell you, I've been, I have a, uh, basketball was me, my entertainment, my sole entertainment. And like I said, I'm an addict of the game of basketball. And a lot of time people tell me, you know, hey, you are an addict. And you know, everybody's right. Yes, I'm an addict. I do whatever I, I do, borrow, beg, or whatever to watch my game in the arena. But you know what? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't womanize. I only raptorize. But all this fandom I have received during the past few years, I decided that, you know, I need to go uh, and help the various organizations. So I I became the global ambassador of World Vision who asked me, uh, and I'm the only non-Christian guy who is the global ambassador for this biggest Christian organization, and I am helping them build washrooms in the poorest of the area in the world where the girls drop out of the school at the age of 11 because when their period starts, there's no washrooms in the school. So I'm helping them to make sure that the girls continue their education, which is a very important part to me, girls' education. He is the first ever fan to receive an official championship ring from an NBA team. He was inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame just last week. Nav Batia joining us now, and he is the Toronto Raptors super fan. And Nav, you are about as recognizable as I would say all but maybe three or four players in the history of the Toronto Raptors. Tell us about what it's like to go around it and people knowing exactly who you are. Well, you know what? Everybody knows I love people. I love people. Even when I go to the arena to watch the game, and I'm wearing my championship ring, you know. I share the ring with all the kids and everybody. I take about 400 pick picks every game because I want to. My, my mission is to inspire the kids. I'm in, this, I'm in the best country in the world, which I call heaven. And I need to continue doing with the little fandom I've got. And yes, I get a lot of love. And not just love in Toronto and Vancouver or wherever I go. Even in 
States, when I go there, I get a lot of love. Like, I'm going to give you an example quickly. In Oakland, when we were going for the Golden State Championship against Golden State, I got free coffees, free food, and, you know, even people inviting me to stay with them free. So, you know, this is amazing. And that's what the sports does. Sports brings the people together. And you know what? My mission has been God has given me everything. God has given me more than what I deserve. So what I'm trying to do is my mission is to bring the world together through the game of basketball. And I'm going to continue that till the last breath I have. Nav, your passion for the Toronto Raptors is remarkable. Your passion for why sports. And I think you nailed it there, uh, that sports brings people together even when we can't go see the game right now. Uh, it still brings a community together and gives us something to, to cheer about even in these these unfortunate times. Yes, that's very, that's very true. And you will see. I mean, this is a moment for you guys, I tell you. I went through this moment when we first beat Orlando in the first round of our 2019 championship run, you know. So this is a moment for you guys. Enjoy it and get ready for the second round. Just get ready for the second round, you know. I love it. I absolutely Clapping. love it. Hey, <laughs> keep clapping, Loren. I'm I think clapping. we're all I want to borrow to... Nav. I want to borrow him for a couple weeks, so maybe we could just spread some more infectious <laughs> spirit, right? I don't know how as much long, time as long as, possible. as long as you're not playing against my league here in <laughs> Toronto, oh, you can oh. borrow me. Uh oh. <laughs> right. I see a problem right. on the horizon. <laughs> Uh, Our newly created friendship might be on the rocks before it starts here. But no, I just no, no, hey, no, no, Nav, no. I just want to give a, a Hey, friendship will be always there. I wish, you know, I want Canadian team to win the championship. And, uh, you know, when it comes to, like I say in basketball, for 48 minutes, they're my competitive. You know, all these guys, you know, I know all the opposing players. I know all the opposing coaches and I know all the referees in the league. You know, but for 48 minutes, when my referees are playing some team, they are my competition. But before and after that, we are, they are my brothers, and we break the bread together. Well, I just wanted to give a shout-out to proud Winnipegger AJ Chopra for connecting us over the weekend. He reached out to me because he thought your story would bring joy to so many here in Winnipeg, and boy, was he ever right. Nav, thank you so much for this. Congratulations on your induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame on your Raptors championship back in 2019. Let's do this again sometime. And uh, uh, all we can say is go Jets go at this point. Very good. Well, that's a good go. You know, like I said, go Jets go till you meet the, <laughs> the Maple Blue, you know, Maple Leafs, you know. So, you know, but it's okay. It will be as long as we keep the championship in, uh, in Canada, as long as we get the championship to Canada. And I hope it's the Leafs which are overdue for a championship run. And uh, I just, but anyway, I want to congratulate all the Winnipeg guys, you know, congratulations, enjoy it, enjoy the moment and get ready for the second one. Nav Bhatia joining us live on 680 CJOB, Toronto Raptors super fan, inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame on May 15th. He is the only fan in NBA history to receive an official championship ring. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.